different types of potato. Okay. There's four types of potato currently available at Jason's Deli. There's the Plain Jane, which is my favorite. There's the Pollo Mexicano, which has like pico and sour cream and chicken breast. There's the Texas Spud, which has brisket, barbecue sauce, cheddar, and butter. Yeah, that sounds very Texan. On a potato the size of a child. Uh, And then there's the barbecue chicken one, which is chicken breast, barbecue sauce, jalapenos, and crispy onions. So I love the fact it's like we're not getting paid by Jason's Deli to do this. We're both just potato whores. Yeah, we're both just fat people. So (laughs) we're motivated by food. Okay, speaking of knowing you on social media forever and talking about like my 600 pound life and all that, this is kind of a weird segue, but happy third year anniversary of us being friends on Facebook. Happy third year anniversary. (laughs) Popped up today and I'm like, don't you put a video of us up? <laughs> Happy third year anniversary. How much does your husband hate me for showing you TikTok? Um, he doesn't really care. Um, I need to be friends with you on it though. But I'm, I'm cracking up because I'm just like, I found Slavic witchcraft TikTok last night. And I found this one girl who is like, it's like she's speaking into my brain. It's like mm-hmm. the Russian version of me. And I just like... I want to be best friends with her. Like, it's a problem. She's like, okay, so these books don't really get translated into English. So this is one that you should get. And I'm like, oh, am I going to spend $40 on a book? And then I'm like, wait, you have to finish at least two books from the TBR pile before you do that. I I love that about TikTok where like everyone, like when the whole like drama was going on, like we just shut it down. The Chinese are spying on us. It's like, do you know what I'm watching on TikTok? It's mostly guinea pigs and birds. Yeah, if you if you pull up mine now, it's raccoons. Yeah. And Slavic witchcraft, which is and and jokes about being Russian versus being American, which is hysterical. Right, like my my TikTok right now is pimple popping videos. Yes. I don't It does something to my brain that I don't like, but I'm a little bit obsessed now. It's birds, a lot of birds, and like guinea pigs and rabbits. That's my TikTok. So my husband actually found the channel on like Amazon Prime where it's it's just like cat. It's for cats. It's like birds and raccoons, or not yes. raccoons, and and, and uh, squirrels and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's hysterical because he put it on. He got, he got me a TV for Christmas, which sounds super, super bougie. Yeah. But literally, we were, we were just getting one for the bedroom. Um, right. Because he wants to watch stuff with me in there after Brianna goes to sleep, mostly. Mm-hmm. And we pull it up, and he's just left it on. Well, I fell asleep. I was taking a nap. And he starts laughing because our cat, Nemo, was looking for this giant squirrel that was bigger than him. And he's going around the TV He's putting his head over it and under it. And he's looking through the whole room. He's like, how, how is this magic happening? And I was like, this is, this is just peak Nemo. I learned about that channel actually from a, we were talking about it with Sophie the Magpie because her owner has like three cats, I think. And they'll leave it on and just the cats go wild for the TV channel. That's like TV for cats, like eight hours oh so so today as you can probably tell neither amanda nor i are feeling very well um i don't know if you can hear it in our voices or the fact that we're probably going to be clearing our throats so if you're like really anti that i don't know how dedicated you are to three musketeers but here we are (laughs) i would like to comment on our uh continued dedication to this podcast because i think the only time we just like fully said fuck it to an episode is when you needed surgery yeah yeah well i mean like right now it's not it sounds so stupid it's not that bad it's mostly because we're able to record distantly which right now is a is a very big blessing yes so um yeah because i don't want to infect you with what i may have and i don't want you to get basically pneumonia worse than you already have (laughs) Thank you for not giving me double pneumonia. I appreciate yeah, it. 
that that would suck so basically i'm referring to this episode and you can tell me i'm wrong if you want all for one and evidently all for d'artagnan <laughs> i was just gonna go with d'artagnan motherfucker because that's a Django reference yes d'artagnan motherfucker we're so gonna be we're talking gonna... a lot about Django. i'm sorry <laughs> i'm totally putting that gif in our our thing today it, it's so for oh my god if you haven't seen Django Unchained, I think it's the best Tarantino movie. And every night I go to bed, I feel so bad for Jamie Foxx because that is not his movie. That's just not his movie. As soon as Christoph Waltz shows up and then Leonardo DiCaprio having the most fun of his life. Like that is just so not Jamie Foxx's movie. And he's not bad. Like he's not bad in that movie. I just feel so sorry that like, this is just not, this is not your film, sir. Well, Jamie Foxx, I mean, he's excellent in it. He's, yeah, he's, he's great. great. But I mean, like then you have kind of Samuel L. Jackson just wandering in like, or is with his like, just eye stares. And you're like, well, that's Here's an enemy. Samuel. Like, like, right, like just, oh, mm. I, I didn't even get Samuel L. Jackson who is somehow the scariest man alive with like the least amount of lines. I mean, that just feels like Samuel L. Jackson to me. Accurate. I like, love it, him. I love him. I he love was him too. he was so good in um Captain Marvel. Like he, uh-huh. that was unexpectedly brilliant with him just with the cat. Oh, yes. who's a good baby? I'm like, I you're you're my friend now. <laughs> I I don't think we talk enough about how good Samuel L. Jackson is. He's amazing. You know that he is not the actor that says fuck the most yeah. in film? But we just associate that with him. It's fine. He's number three. The number one is Jonah Hill. Because sure. of how many times he says it in Wolf of Wall Street. I just uh... I just watched the history of swearing. I like saw the first three episodes, which Nicolas Cage is phenomenal and the dude from the wire that always says shit is amazing he's amazing anyway i'm running from this book Um, i think we're both running from this book because so here's the thing with the three musketeers is that you know this story you listener you know this story and i can guarantee you you probably never have read the book and you know what today you don't have to yeah it's better okay so i would never say this okay i never say this the movies are better than the book right like i liter- never say that i'm always like, literally like, oh, so any of the movies nuance. you could watch the mickey mouse one that yeah, one's really mickey good mouse one is great the mickey but mouse one's excellent my husband said he watched that with brianna like eight thousand times when she was a baby oh no she's all she's all tall she's a tall child so I've never had that problem. <laughs> no, I'm like, we're, we're both never, like a... that's never been something I've had to consider or worry about. The, the vertically challenged spectrum. Yeah. Um, I'm not talking crap. I'm only like a couple inches taller than you. Um, so we were gonna drink the leftover champagne, which I do actually surprisingly have leftover champagne from the inauguration in the fridge. I also um, have leftover champagne, but uh, as you can hear, we're both still sick. So, so I'm uh, drinking coffee. I have a ginger ale. I also have the perfect mom snack, which is a two wedges of laughing cow cheese. I have a dill Havarti in the fridge that I was Ooh. very, very excited for. And then I'm just like, I can't do it right now. I will cut That's it fair. up later. That's fair. All right. I'm going to do our short story long. And you're going to probably be really surprised that a lot of this happened during this period of time in France because some of this book is dirty sure so d'artagnan leaves gascony which is referred to as the scotland of france later on in the book i kid you not and his family um in 1625 to travel to paris to become a musketeer he ends up stopping at a boarding house and an old man in sort insults his ugly ass horse so d'artagnan is not exactly all that bright and he demands a duel like come on dude you just got into town don't start fucking fights the older man's companions beat his ass unconscious with a cooking pot and break his sword with metal tong in his pack 
D'Artagnan has had a letter of introduction to Monsieur de Treville, who's like the head of the musketeers, and that letter gets stolen. So D'Artagnan is clearly pissed off when he comes to, and he resolves to avenge himself on the old man. He finds out that that's Comte de Rochefort, or I call him Rochefort because he's cheese. Um, and there's even a joke about that in the American 1993 movie. Anyway, um, but the, the guy in, uh, we'll go into it a little bit later, but the guy in the 93 movie who's Rochefort is freaking top dollar from the crow so it freaked me out for like 10 minutes i kept going this guy's voice is really familiar and he's <laughs> evil who is he anyway um anyway this guy cheesehead is passing orders to a spy the lady de winter who's very very famous in literature um it's, it's kind of like um how we've mentally pictured see i have no memory right now i have no memory of this place of um <laughs> Sherlock Holmes, sexy, sexy bitch, opera oh. singer. I know who you're talking about. I don't remember her name. Everybody who's screaming at home, I apologize. It'll come to me later. But that's we're both this, sick. This is this is Irene why, Adler. Irene Adler. Thank you. Yeah. This is why in popular culture now we make Irene Adler look like sexy and shady and shit. Is because people tend to combine this anyway. Okay. Um. I saved the podcast. You saved the podcast and everybody at home who's screaming is like, oh, thank God. So D'Artagnan ends up making it to Paris. He doesn't have his letter of introduction. And Monsieur de Treville politely re rejects his application. He's like, listen, you're a sweet boy, but uh, you got no experience. He feels bad. So he writes a letter of introduction for the kid to take like an academy course for young gentlemen so he can prepare and then later seek recruitment which is like a good counselor, all right? Yeah. So D'Artagnan sees the, the old dude who insulted him and he rushes out of the building. But in doing so, he ends up running into and offending three separate musketeers, Athos, Porto, Porthos, and Aramis. They all demand satisfaction and he has to fight them in a duel later this afternoon. Uh -huh. As D'Artagnan is getting ready for the duel, he figures out that Athos's seconds are actually Porthos and Aramis. Oh, fuck. They're really surprised that he he plans to do all, all three especially at the same time and as they start to fight cardinal richelieu's guards show up to arrest them for illegal dueling now keep in mind the cardinal is evil as fuck mm. um they might be outnumbered four to five but they're going to kick the asses of the cardinal's men and they do but d'artagnan seriously wounds a guy named josek one of the cardinal's officers who has a reputation for being a serious fighter mm -hmm. so king louis is like well you guys are evidently pretty badass and he appoints him to the king's guard and gives him 40 spanish coins they're referred to as pistoles through the rest of the book but i had to look it up just so i wasn't like pistoles and then being like i don't know what that means anyway mm -hmm. D'Artagnan is now basically bawling, so he hires a servant named Planchette, finds a place to live, and goes to work for the King's Guards Regiment, where he has to serve for two years before being considered for the Musketeers, because the Musketeers is a really big position, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. D'Artagnan's landlord tells him about his wife Constance and how she was kidnapped. She ends up being released, and D'Artagnan, of course, immediately falls in love with her at first sight. She works for Queen Anne, who is the Queen of France, who is secretly having an affair with the English Duke of Buckingham, who I referred to this entire time as the Duke of Buckingham. Anyway, King Louis gives the Queen some diamond studs, but we're not talking about earrings. We're talking about like these just whole slew of diamonds that you wear. Um, and she in turn gives them to Buckingham as a keepsake, which is stupid. But um, however, Cardinal Rochelle is like, hey, I want to start a war with France and England because I would like to be more powerful and I don't really care for my king. So he's like, I can work with this. He wants to prove that there's an affair going on to the king. So he says, Louis, tell Anne she needs to wear those really cute diamonds to the party I'm throwing for you in your honor. So Constance is like, oh shit, those are in England. And she tries, or not Constance, yeah, Constance. So she tries to she tells Anne and she tells all these people like, oh my God, what do I do? Like in the small circle. So she tries to convince her husband to go to London to get the diamonds from Buckingham, but he's being manipulated by the Cardinal. Mm. So basically they're working on opposite sides. It's kind of like if one of you worked for like Russian intelligence and one of you worked for the CIA. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> D'Artagnan and his crew, because D'Artagnan is super into Constance is like, hey, what we'll do is we'll go get these diamonds for you. But on the way to France, the Cardinal's men keep attacking them. D'Artagnan has to nearly kill the Comte de Ward, so I don't know, who is friends with the Cardinal. 
related to Rochefort and the lady's lover. So like tied into a bunch of people. Mm. In the end, only D'Artagnan and Planchette make it to London. And there's a whole thing about Buckingham doing this this whole thing, but we'll get in that in just a second. The lady has actually stolen two of the diamond studs because she got there first. So there's only 10 in the box and there needs to be 12 or it's going to look super shady. Mm-hmm. So Buckingham actually brings in his local jeweler and goldsmith and basically keeps him prisoner for two days so he can make exact replicas of this. He's very funny about it. And he's like, don't worry, you can tell your wife where you are. <laughs> ha ha. But it's like, Dude, that's like your boss saying, by the way, you're going to be here for two days. You're not going to leave. Oh, um, no. Anyway, <clears throat> Buckingham gives those replacements to D'Artagnan and tries to delay Milady from going to Paris by closing down all the ship ports. D'Artagnan gets a complete set of jewels to the queen in time to protect her honor. And she gives him a gorgeous ring through this wall panel, all kind of coordinated by Constance. Mm-hmm. So... D'Artagnan starts to have a more serious affair with Constance. He shows up for an assignment and realizes that Rochefort and his landlord have beaten up and imprisoned Constance on the orders of the Cardinal. Because again, opposite sides. Mm -hmm. D'Artagnan and his crew have finally recovered from their trip. D'Artagnan comes across Milady de Winter and suddenly is very infatuated with her. I mean, she's described as pretty hot, so understandable. But her maid is like, don't even bother. She's, She's not interested in your little dick. All right. So D'Artagnan, like a creeper, ends up breaking into her quarters at night and pretends to be her lover, which he's attacked before. And while they're like doing stuff, which I don't know how you wouldn't know. Anyway, she ends up seeing a fleur-de-lis branded on her shoulder, indicating that she's a felon. Mm -hmm. So she ends up trying to kill D'Artagnan when she realizes that it's not her lover. And D'Artagnan just bails out. And then he's ordered to go to this siege. So the queen ends up finding out that Constance is in prison and gets her rescued and out. The musketeers um, are, t- are talking to the cardinal and asking, or over here, sorry, I misspelled that. Okay. Um, the cardinal asking the lady to murder Buckingham. So, hey, Milady, go back to England and kill this dude. Buckingham is evidently a supporter of the Protestant rebels at the siege, and he sends troops to help with the whole thing, which is, again, they're fighting each other. And basically, at this point in time, Buckingham's like, well, we're going to get into a war anyway. I really don't give a shit. <clears throat> the Cardinal basically writes a hall pass for Milady saying, it's okay. She can murder Buckingham because I said so. What the fuck? But Athos takes it, and Athos bets the other musketeers that they can like recapture this whole bastion for like an hour mm-hmm. with just the four of them and they make it an hour and a half and it's like oh look we totally withheld this now it's time to leave um, because of this victory d'artagnan becomes a full-fledged musketeer they end up getting information to the lord de winter and duke of buckingham and milady is imprisoned when she lands in england mm-hmm. however she seduces her guard and says that he should kill buckingham so she gets back to France, hides in a convent where Condi- or Constance is being kept. <clears throat> and Milady is like, oh, sweet innocent girl, I can play with her. She takes advantage of her and destroys D'Artagnan by poisoning Constance, who dies before D'Artagnan can get to her. Uh-huh. The musketeers arrest Milady, put her on trial, and sentence her to death. She is executed. The four return to the siege, come to Rochefort, arrest D'Artagnan, and takes him to the cardinal. The cardinal's like, who let you execute Milady? And D'Artagnan gives him his own letter of pardon. This is my hall pass. The cardinal destroys the letter and writes a new order, promising a position of lieutenant for the musketeers, but the name is left blank. Uh So D'Artagnan ends up taking this letter and offers it to Arthos, Porthos, and Aramis, but they all turn it down for Athos, sorry. And Athos is like, this is beneath me. Porthos is like, hey, remember this wealthy mistress I've been telling you about this entire book? Yeah, we're getting married. And Aramis is moving to the priesthood. So D'Artagnan takes it. And then there are like a bunch of sequels. Uh... So when I tell you that Disney cleaning this up was not a bad thing, I need you to understand that normally I'm the person going no, this doesn't have enough nuance in it. <clears throat> and I'm the person who's usually like throwing the book into a fire, saying the author is dead and screeching like a, the snally gaster. 
If you don't know what the Snallygaster is, look it up. We're tired. Yeah, look. You guys have Google. Look it up. We're tired. Uh, you want to do some theming? You do. Okay. So we need to talk about chivalry. <laughs> Firstly, that it's made up. Yeah. <laughs> um, we tend to associate knights with like good stuff. They were bad most of the time. Well, it's like, even <laughs> in this, you have the three musketeers who mm-hmm. are all doing kind of shady stuff. Right. Like, they're whoring and drinking. And, and I mean, even it's, it, it just cracks me up because it's like, oh, you know, they're so noble. And you, you hear everybody all the time, oh, you guys are so cute. You're like the three musketeers. And I'm always like... Do they have like a small person who doesn't fit in named D'Artagnan following them? Like what? Right. Like it's never been just the three, which is what I think is so funny. It's always been and D'Artagnan. What's funny about it too is that D'Artagnan is the main character. He is. But the book is titled after the other three. Yeah. And it's like D'Artagnan's kind of a selfish dick bag. Well, Yes. And it's like all the stuff about chivalry and like protecting women and, you know, fighting for honor and that crap. He's having an affair with a married woman. He sneaks in and has sex with somebody pretending to be somebody else. These are not chivalrous acts. They're not. Um, It's an interesting look at chivalry because, yeah, the book frames it as look at these guys just doing their thing and then everyone else is just horrified at the sheer amount of sex crimes because at this point in time women were pawns yep and objects Um, (sighs) moving on to honor that's a big thing uh really it all ties into night stuff but like protecting your honor protecting your word protecting your virtue in or out of air quotes like you just can't be caught in a lie that's really really important uh again it kind of falls flat because everyone in this book is terrible so you do have some personality differences obviously between the musketeers you have Mm -hmm. um artists who is hates love and Mm -hmm. is very much like women are not trustworthy and everything is terrible and don't ever fall in love and don't do this and you find out because he was previously married to Milady de Winter, which, okay. Um, You have Porthos, who is my absolute favorite, who's very big on eating and drinking and talking about how he has all these presents from various women, which all kind of turn out from from what it sounds like from his wealthy mistress, who is is good people. Um, And he's like, he seems to be the most functional of them. He just talks a big game. Yeah. And then you have Aramis, who was a priest who originally studied under the cardinal, so he feels all betrayed because he right. he definitely believes in all these uh these teachings of mm-hmm. Catholicism and wants to seek that as employment. And it's funny too because his assistant, uh, which I don't want to say servant or slave, which is really more accurate, is yeah. like, Hey, I really can't wait for Aramis to join the priesthood because I've always wanted to work for the church. You also have like Planchette, who is um, D'Artagnan's servant, and he yes. is so funny because he's always the one who's like, "This sounds like a really stupid idea." Yeah, what's wrong with you? And we we usually don't see their servants or assistants in portrayals of them because it's like, oh, that's kind of uncomfortable how they talk to them. But they um, all of them have an assistant that is very very similar to them in their personality except right. planchette is like the exact opposite of d'artagnan because he's like can i just go to bed because this sounds like you're going to do something stupid yeah um in places it almost feels like a really bad episode of scooby-doo oh my gosh yes where it's just like random people running around or like to make it a deeper cut uh the funky phantom <laughs> And, and Please with, tell me you remember the Funky Phantom. It's been a hot minute. I honestly don't. But okay. it's, I was laughing mostly at the name. 
So. <laughs> Do I here? I'm gonna put a note in that we need to put okay. in a so video or at least Phantom a picture. Was it was one of those like old Hanna Barbera shows? Because you know they had like fifty thousand. Yeah, and it was basically like Scooby Doo, but with instead of a talking dog. It was a phantom, but he was like a dandy phantom from the Revolutionary War. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's great. It's so I'm gonna tell you right now. Yes. Serialized novels yes. are difficult for me because they're always too long. Yes. They're always more detailed than they need to be. Yes. And it's because they're getting paid per word. Mm-hmm. And so it feels, this feels very French Dickensian to me, where it's like, I'm going to put in all this information that you don't really need to know. So just so you know, the audiobook is going to be 23 hours long. Right. A lot of the French authors were like that. Um, Victor Hugo was like that. Because that's how you were getting paid. I mean, you, this, this story ran for months and we'll kind of go through that, but like, this is this is how he was making bank right and even then it didn't really work out for him we'll talk about that too <laughs> we will uh we covered some night stuff already but just know that uh the musketeers were essentially knights essentially um if you want to learn about knights being bad just watch game of thrones well i mean because they're always kind of they were basically like the closest thing to the king's personal military yes and so it was like hey so if the king was bad or the king did something stupid or shady those orders went on to his men because mm-hmm. you know the king can't do this himself he can't no, get blood on not. his hands no you can't have a hamlet scenario um we need to talk about how french writers write france as a mostly lovely place with some problems that we're just not going to talk about. Because typically if you're going to put a biting satire or critique, you're not going to shit in your own bed. Which is why most of Shakespeare's stuff is outside of England. But a lot of the French authors have no issue setting things in France. Just barely just touching the tip of the bad thing. And then we're never going to talk about it again. Hey, this might be a problem, but hey, look, this guy has a sword. Right. And it's, it seems to be a very common thing in French literature that like, they really want this biting satire, but no. I feel like that came across too in a lot of Southern literature, yes. especially like Louisiana stuff where people are writing about, which is funny, Louisiana is named after one of the Louis. Anyway, yes. um, where we have all these descriptions in Southern literature of how beautiful the trees are and the sound of the cicadas and, and you know, that, that heated breeze. And anybody who lives out here is like, so there's also mosquitoes. Cicadas are really annoying. It's so hot and wet outside that you walk outside and your hair grows four inches. Yes. Like this is not comfortable. Stay inside where it's air conditioned. Okay. Like, but you can always tell who is riding up to like, Hey, we're going to completely bypass this concept of racism and other mm. stuff um, versus, and, and, and you can always tell if somebody actually lives in the South yes or if they're from another place writing about it and i've even i've i've been guilty of this as well because when i lived in california as a kid i would try to write stuff about louisiana and then like actually went to louisiana and i was like wow okay um pretend that none of that ever happened yeah there's a there's some great uh southern revisionism where it's like let's put all the racism on one person like the help oh my gosh let's make all the racism one person so i read that book yes because everybody was like oh you should read this and i'm going so why is this like a white savior text and everybody's i was like really uncomfortable by it and this was like years ago and everybody's like oh no it's 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 really you know it's it's great you know look at she's she totally understands and i'm like her maid the person that she's probably underpaying yeah like 
the person that she probably still sees as lesser than even if she's nice to her right like and that's that's a really good point is we tend to in the united states talk about you know oh well that's the kkk burning crosses on people's lawns and a lot of it is just this inherent racism a lot of it is little things that sneak into our laws i mean right. there's still hoa documents from the 40s that say black people can't live in neighborhoods they're not followed but they exist but they exist yeah and it's 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 like all of a sudden we're suddenly like a bunch of white people are suddenly discovering that racism still exists yeah that's been that was probably the most interesting part of 2020 was a bunch of white people like oh things are still bad i know and i had to find out how bad they they still were yeah because i knew it wasn't it wasn't easy but i didn't realize like it was oh, that bad this still exists and oh this is a decade because of this and i mean I still i'm not perfect you you say things and i'm like oh oh uh, so that's uh french authors being unwilling to shit in their beds which I get, but it does kind of undercut like all of this intrigue and stuff they're trying to write. Um, a lot of this jewel thievery sounds like some shit that happened with Marie Antoinette that I don't have time to talk about. There's a great episode of Puppet History about it. Yep. Is Puppet that with the, the, the uh, Devalois girl? Yes. Yes definitely watch that it's it's interesting puppet history i think is the greatest show on the internet right now is that on hulu or it's on youtube ah. yeah it's a uh, shane midday and ryan bergara from buzzfeed <laughs> i just saw a tiktok video yesterday of how the witch should have ended yes and... <laughs> 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 fuck you goat man <laughs> <laughs> I love that I love that gif as like a dichotomy in relationships because I think that that's exactly how it is is there's two kinds of people in every relationship there's the fuck you goat man and oh god no yeah I I am Ryan and my husband is Shane my husband's like that's not and he's rubbing off on me because I'll watch something and I'll be like yeah no that doesn't happen that's actually just a psychological feature that if you stare at something like this for more than five minutes your brain automatically comes up with patterns and my daughter looks at me last night and she goes oh my god are you on his side now and i'm like believe non-believer I'm, I'm like no i'm just saying that there is actually a psychological phenomena that she's just like okay non-believer shun shun do you want to complain more about serialized novels or gascony next so I think I've ex complained about serialized novels enough. You have. I just want to give you the opportunity. I laughed so hard in this book where they're like talking about Scotland and they ask D'Artagnan where he's from. And he's like, oh, I'm from Gascony. And they're like, <laughs> Gascony is the Scotland of France. And I was like, why? Because they're hardworking and they can kick your ass let's just say it was not a compliment in the book but why does scottish everyone hate scotland because scotland is if it's not scottish it's crap okay scotland forever anyway um i miss it obviously i'm american and can't go there right now because we're in the middle of a pandemic <sighs> i would love to go to scotland with you it's it's gorgeous just kind of stand out on a hill and you're like wow there's no one around and if i fell off this cliff i'd probably die Accurate. i'm gonna stay back from this cliff like you you understand once you go out there why there are bog bodies let's just put it that way i thought most of those are thrown in they were and let's say like weren't weren't most of those very deliberate yes but then you can't find them like that's that's why it's it's amazing it's it's like oh look they sunk in so quickly uh, okay well no one will ever find the body anyway what a tragedy this person just fell in air quotes i'm gonna be honest yeah i didn't look for questions for the listener i did I put one on instagram any. but it's fine uh so some historical context this is where amanda being a weapons nerd finally pays off yay 
So Tori knows this about me and you guys have probably heard it in pieces because I watch a lot of Deadliest Warrior, like too much. There is a Deadliest Warrior episode with the Musketeers uh, where they're pitted against uh, the Ming army. And it's basically just, it's such a dick measuring contest that it's hilarious. I mean, every episode's a dick measuring contest. This one's particularly bad. Um, but basically the Musketeers regards to the King. They could be rented out by other nobles if they had the money for it. And they were all masters of the Flintlock musket. Now Flintlock was great because it basically allowed you to get off more shots and it allowed you to maintain your Flint level. Otherwise your lighting matches constantly. The Flintlock was one of the most important pieces of gun technology outside of rifling. I, so here's a funny thing about me. I like old guns. New guns I don't like very much, but old guns I like a lot. I need to ask my sister if she has guns from the Finnish Civil War. Yes. Because they were, that's what my dad collected for a hot minute. Uh-huh. Um, and so just like you would expect my dad, like my dad had guns all over the house. He lives in right. Southern Colorado. He could get away with it. But right. um, I just remember being like, of all the things, Finnish rifles from the Finnish Civil War. That's your your focus. That's what you're looking for. I'll allow it. Yeah, I'll allow it. Um, they got really, really good with the lock musket. They also were experts with the rapier and the main gauche. You probably know what a rapier is. Most people don't know it has a dagger with it because really you're not going to do a lot of killing with a rapier. If you do, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of you. <laughs> but like, you're not going to do a lot of killing with a rapier. Um, yeah, they looked dumb and silly because they were the badasses of their time. It was a lot of silk. It was a lot of velvet, but it was a lot of, it was a lot of huge feathers that were usually ostrich. Um, don't ask why I know that. It was just like the ostrich hats, like just those giant ass floppy hats. It kind of yeah. looks like a girl going to Glastonbury for the first time. Like, right. Like it looks dumb to us, but back then that was like, that's a badass over there. So that's some historical context. Uh, the deadliest warrior episode is very, very good. If you want to watch the shortest man alive, look intimidating with a pistol. I do. One of their experts point. is like the tiniest little American man. And it's like, what are you doing here? He's here to kick some ass. He does like one demonstration. With a musket. Yeah. And then there's another guy who's actually French and he's like huge. He's like tall and buff and he's French and he's like trying to be charming, but it's just gross. And then most of the Ming experts don't want to talk to anyone. Because they're just like, we built the Great Wall. It's like, okay, that's not what we're talking about here. We put a bunch of bodies in it. Like, uh, they, um... like every question is like watching a Rudy Giuliani interview. <laughs> 9-11. Like every question, like, we built the Great Wall. Okay. We, we asked about this bomb. The Great Wall, though. Like, okay. Yeah, we acknowledge. Thank you. It is, a, it is indeed a Great Wall. What about this sword? At one point in time, did like the hair dye or like skin fake tan or start running down his head? No, <laughs> but I wish. I still think that's my favorite quote from anything. It's like, anytime you ask something of Rudy Giuliani, you get a noun of verb in 9-11. That feels very accurate. I think Biden said that. <sighs> oh, brief, brief aside some relief long way to go yeah we'll leave it as that <laughs> yeah that's i mean that's really all we have to say that's i don't know i don't know what else could be said at this stage it's been what three days yes i don't, I don't even know what time it is it's almost well our time it's almost one o'clock in recording yes. so I'm excited because I was like, wow, I can't find anything about Alexander Dumas other than people going, you know, he was black, right? So I need you to know that like pretty much every author I found, I was able to find some sort of scandal. Yes. And 
dying. I'll go into it in a minute. But, but we do have to preface the black <clears throat> thing. Yes, it's very, very specialized. Um, yeah. So the- his his relatives were Haitian. Yes. His dad was half black. His dad yes. was also huge in um like in weaponry and warfare and mm-hmm. he was a big deal in Napoleon's army. Mm-hmm. He ended up going into jail because he opposed one of Napoleon's orders because mm-hmm. he thought it was stupid. Um yeah. but he was a huge huge deal. Um, right. it's actually one of the reasons that Dumas ended up using Alexander Dumas as his his uh pen name. Um his his dad really honestly only he only died because he died of cancer because cancer's a dick yeah Uh, but basically Dumas was not born Dumas he was well not Alexander Dumas he was born as Dumas Davy de la Patier I think is how you say it again I don't speak French I don't speak German I speak enough Russian to get into trouble um but we always have to be careful with the Alexander Dumas black thing yes because there's a lot of um how do I put this delicately history behind what blackness is especially when you get into like the caribbean and stuff like that in haiti because it's not that they aren't of african descent it's just that at that point they're so much their own people so just i love the idea of like putting his ethnicity first but if you're gonna argue that point please know what you're talking about like don't stop at Alexander Dumas was black like don't like if you, if you are one of like the two percent of our audience that is actually in school like don't stop there you need to know like that history because it could uh get, 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 it could get a little messy for you it could get very Django Unchained for you it could get very Django Unchained for you um and, and Amanda is a hundred percent right on this the politics of ethnicity were mm-hmm. very, very different in France than they would have been in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, out here, it was like, oh, you have one drop. Oh, you're black. Right. One drop of black blood, which is stupid because all blood is the same, but whatever. Right. Um, well, not the same. There are small nuances and different blood matter. types, but it doesn't matter. It's your, your blood isn't a race. No. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Um, it is so he is still today one of the most widely read french authors um yeah i mean actually more widely portrayed i guess would be more accurate as far as like movies and tv shows and stuff. yeah because i don't think again like i don't know anyone who's read the book i think more people have read the count of monte cristo because i feel like it's a it's a more solid book and a very good sandwich and a very good sandwich yes which I, I didn't realize was named after the book until right now. I didn't put that together. So here we are. I'm just going to sip some coffee and see my way out. It's, it's a very good sandwich. Oh, my God. So um, Duba was four when his dad died of cancer. Mm-hmm. His mother was unable to afford to send him to like an elite school. But he read everything he could get his hands on. And we see that with a lot of authors where it's like, excuse me, I'm going to escape with this now. Thank you. Um, His first job was with the Duke of Orleans as a secretary. He was still writing plays and political writings in the background. He ended Mm -hmm. up actually getting sent into exile at one point in time due to his writing, but he used these as, quote, travel experiences in future writing, which, you know, I'd say the whole lemons and the lemonade thing, but that's bullshit. Anyway, so he ended up teaming up with other writers. They ended up creating a multi-volume collection of crime theme essays. And so that kind of started to get his mind thinking about that. Um, mm-hmm. He started writing the Musketeer books written to look like found manuscripts. He mm-hmm. So like kind of how we have with found footage now where it's like, oh, I found this thing and I'm just going to portray it exactly as it was. But it's like very obviously fiction. Mm-hmm. He wrote in his intro that it's something he found while researching Louis XIV. This is partially true because he borrowed the names Athos, Porthos, and Aramis from a manuscript called Memory de um, Monsieur le Comte de Fer. Again, mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I'm butchering French. You're doing okay. Um, the Three Musketeers was published in serial form, like we discussed in the paper at La Cicle, between March and July of 1844, which is why it is so fucking long. Yes. <clears throat> 
So this is the 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 fun scandal that I'm I I've never heard of, and I'm very very excited to be able to kind of look at. So the stories for the Three Musketeers and many other of Dumas' writings were actually written as a collaboration with Auguste McKay. So why the hell do we not know who that is? Legal problems. <laughs> so they ended up writing together for a really long time, and this ended in 1851. Okay, actually sued Dumas, demanding co-authorship and royalties because he's like, "Listen, I've been writing this with this guy forever, and he's making bank, and I'm not making anything because I'm not listed on here." But the court actually found in favor of Dumas. They said that basically. Um, Maquette was Maquette, but Dumas was Dumas. So basically, you know, Maquette could add to Dumas, but he couldn't be Dumas. It it was a whole French thing anyway. Okay. Um, anyway, Maquette ended up doing pretty well for himself. He wrote a lot of books that, you know, we don't really read today, but yeah. he ended up dying comfortably well off, just less famous, which goes back into Dumas who spent money as fast as he could make it, mm -hmm. meaning that after building two separate estates, um, one being like the estate like Monte Cristo or something like that, because like, hey, look, I wrote this really famous book. Um, he ended up having to bail out and hide from his creditors. And he ended up going to Russia at one point in time, which was a primo move. Because yes. at that point in time, the Russian aristocracy was obsessed with France and they spoke French in court. So yes. the people who could afford books and the people who were willing to read his stuff and pay him mm -hmm. spoke French. And it was considered to be a status symbol. So he did okay up there. Yeah. Um, he ended up dying in 1870 with not very much money. As writers usually do. As writers usually do. It's funny because... I feel like when we were in school, it was always like, oh, look at this famous writer, you know, look how much money they must have made. And you're going, no, they didn't. you actually do any of the research unless you're like JK Rowling or something like that. Yeah. Or you have some sort of specialized contract. You're probably spending that money to live like a normal person, which is why Stephen King is so prolific. Right. That's why I double majored. That's why I have a day job. Um <laughs> Uh, did so you have, have to sorry oh yeah go ahead so do we have to read this in school i don't think i read it for school but i did read it as a child like one of those like dumb kid abridged versions and i think those are more popular than like the full d'artagnan romances is what it's kind of called yeah um there are also sequels to this mm -hmm. which is where you get the man in the iron mask yes where so let's let's put leonardo dicaprio our hottest celebrity in a movie we're going to cover up his face for 90 percent of it what was crazy about that too i believe gerard depardieu was in that and i had a poster of the man of the iron mask <laughs> on the back of my door when i was in high school and i was just like these people are weird but yeah DiCaprio's hot DiCaprio is hot so there are a lot of adaptations I put a lot We're not going to list all of them. Oh, I want to. Okay. Anyway, some of the most popular ones are things that include Angela Lansbury in 1948. Yes. There was one with Douglas Fairbanks, which kind of started it all. There's one with Michael York. What? My personal favorite mm -hmm. is D'Artagnan and the Three Musketeers from 1978, which is a Soviet musical from Russia. And there is a version of it online with English subtitles. And it is the most 70s adaptation I have ever seen. And it's also in Russian. But the one that the majority of Americans probably know is the one that's on Disney Plus right now from 93, which included Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell, Oliver Platt, Tim Curry, and mm -hmm. Paul McGann. So I'm going to tell you right now, there was a lot of cocaine on that set. There um, was. Which, you also left out the most important adaptation, which is The Three Amigos. Yes. <laughs> I love you. That's the most important. <laughs> I do have to Am say, I wrong? I was freaking out about the 93 version because at the very beginning, there's this super dandy guy and he's got these bright eyes. And I'm like, I don't know why this guy is familiar. He's got to be an actor I know. And I looked it up and it was Paul McGann. And I'm like, what? What? 
what 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 is happening (laughs) um there have been all sorts of bbc adaptations which Mm -hmm. i know you're probably not surprised um there was a tv show on american and canadian television called young blades in 2005 um what it's yeah it's a whole thing that sounds awful and then obviously some of the sometimes the sequels are adapted into things like the man in the iron mask and the like of that but basically it's a story we all kind of know at least in passing and we did also talk about the disney version which i didn't list in here um the animated there's a couple animated versions there's actually like a three blind mice one where they made them into the three musketeers there's a tom and jerry one yes like this story gets accidentally told all the time or referenced in tv um if we listed all of them, we would be here forever. And we're so that's why we're not going to do that. Right. It's also a very, very good candy bar. Yes. It's all like light and fluffy in the inside. Thank yeah. you. Get... And then, I mean, I, I guess technically Django Unchained is a, a Three Musketeers movie. Yeah. We, we were talking about that the other day a little bit. The fact that there's right before everything goes to hell, Christoph Waltz is talking to Leonardo DiCaprio and he says, I find it very interesting that you have a slave named D'Artagnan. And he's yeah. like, I can't stop thinking about him. Did you name him after a character from the Three Musketeers? And then he turns around and he goes, Alexander Dumas was black. And, yes. <laughs> and so like we were we were joking about that the other day. Obviously, it doesn't have the nuances we were discussing earlier, but it was one of those oh yeah i forgot that was in this movie django unchained i think could be the most memeable movie there's just so many great little quips like i like i reverence d'artagnan motherfucker too much in my personal life like that's like my leroy jenkins you also do what cake i do i do reference the what cake a lot um god damn that movie is so good i actually watched that for amanda's birthday last year it was great live streamed on twitter and you enjoyed it it was enjoyable it was very violent yes very enjoyable like don't don't watch that movie with your kids in the room no or like don't watch it at work no i mean you shouldn't really be watching tv when you're at work but a lot of us are home right now and i understand if it needs to be on in the background but yeah it's it was I will say this like for a Tarantino it is shockingly violent which for a Tarantino right like for a Tarantino it is shockingly violent um it's such a good movie it's such a good movie oh my god but yeah like that's that pulls a lot of Three Musketeers uh motifs in it as well not just D'Artagnan being a slave and mentioning of Alexander Dumas so yeah, that's me gushing over that movie for the inteenth time, even though I don't think it's technically my favorite Tarantino. It's in like the top three, hundred percent. I was like, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite? I think it is either Kill Bill Volume One or Inglorious Bastards. I still have never seen Inglorious Bastards. I think you'd love it. I think I would too, because I've seen bits and pieces, just I like think you, clips. I think you'd absolutely love it. I will say I'm the asshole who likes Kill Bill Volume 2. I don't I'm, like to. I'm not trying to be pretentious. I just I thought the music was better. And there, oh, that's fair. There were details in it that I really, really liked that you you don't get at the first one. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, I remember watching the first one in the theater and just feeling so risque because it was like i was finally old enough to watch like this kind of movie and i went to see right. it with my boyfriend and we're both like did did she just did she, oh god no, yeah no is that a brain no it is a brain <laughs> why are I mean, you based on, people with that like based on everything you know about me of course volume one is my favorite it's 50 percent anime and then like 25 percent lady snowblood yeah it's just Lady Snowblood in anime. Sophie Fatale was my favorite, though, when she's doing that, like, the translation for, oh, um, 
oh my god and it's so good like they're you, you just hear her like speaking everything that lucy Liu is saying back into japanese except motherfucker yes. which just is motherfucker and then even after the um if anybody of you mother or you sons of bitches have anything else to say now's the fucking time and then you just still, still hear her translating after even after this head has hit yes. the table and it's like i think they got the point point. and i've quoted <laughs> that too many times can we also take a moment to talk about how hot Lucy Liu was? Oh my gosh, still is though. I mean, still is, but like, oh. particularly in Kill Bill 1. Can and we talk he, about... And I'm not talking about like a fetishistic thing. I'm just talking no, about the fact just, that she is a very good looking woman. She's a woman. very attractive woman. Yes. Yeah. Keep uh, up the good work. <laughs> <laughs> Stay perky, oh Lucy God. Liu. Jennifer Lopez, I loved with the inauguration stuff. I was watching it in the background while working. And at one point in time, George mm -hmm. Stephanopoulos refers to her as resplendent. And you hear Robin Roberts cracking up in the background. She goes, you didn't even know that word 10 years ago. Accurate. Very accurate. Okay. So I yes. was going to try and force us to read Don Quixote next. Uh -huh. But I just read this book and it was very long and i remember don quixote being long so uh, i'm not gonna do that to us okay that's that's too much well we have two things to keep in mind for february black history month and we have valentine's day i was gonna try and just half-ass and throw at you alice in wonderland but let's not do that now let's see <laughs> what else we have you know what? Next episode will be a surprise, guys. We'll figure it out behind the scenes. Hey, I found my list. Oh, we have a list. <laughs> Unless you want to be part of this. Oh, oh, you know what? My list is very, very short. Um, we'll talk about this when we're uh, when we're not recording. Oh, I did have Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. That's a great one. Let's do that. Okay, we're doing Invisible Man. Okay. Because remember, it's Black History Month, and we have to acknowledge it. Okay, we. I mean, yes, I'm down with that. Um, <laughs> like, is that I, dissent? No, it's the I don't know what day it is anymore. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, so we are all over social media. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. You probably yep. already follow us on social media if you're listening to us. Um, but if you want to just go to one place and click everything, if you've never done that before, we're at unfortunatelyrequiredreading.com. Mm -hmm. And there's also an option if you want to email us at unfortunatelyrequiredreading at gmail.com. Please feel free. Um, but don't be a dick. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at anchor.fm slash unfortunatelyrequiredreading. This is the place where we thank our patrons for keeping the metaphorical and physical lights on. We also have a, st we have a store over on Redbubble where I do my best. Our number one seller is a sticker that Amanda made kind of as a joke that says white tears so you could put it on a water bottle. And um, that's still the number one bestseller. That makes me so happy. At this point in time, we're still asking for you to uh, send us your pictures on Twitter of where you yeah. have put that sticker. Just where'd you put it? I just want to see where it went. But um, good episode, despite us both being sick. I know I can hear us both kind of going, I'm still upright. I'm still upright. Yeah, I got this. <laughs> I can do this. The Mucinex still has an hour. <laughs> I still got an hour on that Mucinex and maybe like 30 minutes on the ibuprofen. And then I'm going to go crash out on the couch. And then I'm going to order so much on Uber Eats. Uh, I wonder if I can convince Mark to do Jason's Deli today. I he think you need to. He doesn't like Jason's Deli, though. Mostly because we used to get it for, like, every conference. Oh, I was about to, like, I was about to, like, cuss out your husband. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing personal. It's I was about to cuss out your husband on air. When we, when we were in the office on a regular basis, anytime there yeah. was a... Um, somebody coming in to try and sell us something they would bring right. Jason's deli and we were well, like, like that's why i don't get the sandwiches anymore yeah. <clears throat> like i'll get like the potatoes like the salad bar when there is a salad bar is really really oh, good i love the salad bar the little ice cream at the end like yeah, yeah like i like yeah like the the sandwiches are a hundred percent like i'm trying to sell you something here's catered lunch yeah but that's why i pretty much like stick with like the, the pasta and the potatoes 
The best ever was when somebody brought us Torchy's tacos, though. I've never been to Torchy's. It's surprisingly good, and their vegetarian tacos are good. Oh, good to know. And this is hysterical because it's like we don't get paid by anybody to say this crap. So we really don't. <laughs> the only people who pay us is if we say anything on Spotify about how much we love Spotify. And that's just the ad at the beginning. So yeah, like we just <clears throat> we just say this shit. Jason's deli is good. If you want to send us some potatoes, that'd like be literally, excellent. we would not say no. <laughs> yeah, we would. I will and happily. We are easily bought. I mean, we're reading literature that for the most part is in like the the mate or the common domain okay like yeah something that we can get for free off the san antonio public library system oh Lindsay ellis uh when talking about green day said the time of your life good riddance was the sellout of sellouts and i wanted to be mad and then i couldn't be it was at pretty much every high school graduation for a while. That and that vitamin C song and yeah. closing time, which didn't make any sense. I was like, can you guys not play that? It's kind of like people continuing to play Hallelujah um, at regular intervals. And I'm like, you guys know that song's about sex, right? That's that's not a Jesus thing. But it's like all these very poignant, sad moments. Like they yes. did that, that's um, not celebration, but they did that memorial for you know the people who had died of COVID the day before the inauguration and they're playing that song in the background and I'm like you guys that don't sing this in church don't know Leonard Cohen is laughing hysterically somewhere in the ether right now with you yeah that sounds about right so but, but yes I wanted to be so angry at that sentiment and then it's like fuck you're right like just like listening to the oeuvre of green day up until that point and then you get time of your life it's like wow i guess you guys wanted to eat yeah it's one of those things where when you're younger and you're like a punk and you think you're a badass and you're like i would never sell out like that then you get older and you're like i'm tired I, and i wouldn't mind I going on vacation show you my ankle for money <laughs> i fuck i'm the greatest of sellouts I'm just cracking up because I'm imagining like unfortunately required reading only fans. It's literally it's just us ankles. just showing it's ankles and us showing books without their cover jacket. <laughs> it's the occasional cocktail shaking. Now I feel like we should do that. We should do at least a TikTok series where we just uncover books. Like some kind of gross fetishist. You know that there's somebody somewhere who's like, oh yeah, baby, that's wear my jam sure the okay. white gloves yeah okay i need you to read dark archives i feel like i should just send you a copy of that book at this point i want that book you know what let's consider it a getting better present or it's your valentine's day present because you're my boogie um <laughs> neither of us is heterosexual but you are also one of my life mates so yeah but also like deeply uncomfortable amanda moment <laughs> Where it felt like get out all over again. We had done so well with this not feeling like get out. And then right back to square one. Oh, all, this white woman is dangerous. The first time Amanda came to my house. So I was raised about 40 minutes from LA when, as a kid. And we're just kind of talking at this point. So there's no more about literature if you're going to bail out. Yeah. Um, but my mom was pregnant with me during the time of Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Mm -hmm. So... I was raised to lock all doors and windows at night. Mm -hmm. I was raised, well, I didn't understand that there was a shotgun loaded in the closet. Thanks, mom. Um, my mom literally bought a shotgun because my dad was traveling and she's like, this motherfucker is not going to kill me. And I'm like, okay. Like we talked about Richard Ramirez after that documentary that came out on Netflix. But I was always raised, lock all the doors, lock all the windows. Like we have a special Charlie bar on like our back door and stuff because that's like mm -hmm. how I function. Mm -hmm. And my husband is not that way and so whenever somebody comes over or we like see somebody outside the door i immediately lock the door and i just see amanda kind of look at me the first time and i'm like i swear to god i'm not trying to trap you this isn't like get out or anything because it's I not because it's not that i'm not used to doors being locked i grew up in texas like we don't do this whole like open door bullshit fuck that we have like coyotes and serial killers but it was just like the swiftness that the door was locked behind me like she's going to eat me 
I'm going to die in this woman's house. We were watching something yesterday and my husband goes, like, what were, I forget what it was, but the guy goes, I love you, but I'm also afraid of you. And then Mark just kind of leans his head around and looks at me. He goes, I feel that sentiment exactly. And I'm like, I would never hurt you. I have no desire to do that. Also, I'm intelligent enough to know that forensics would probably catch my ass with enough decent police work. Like, and you'd honestly, also be like prime suspect. Yeah, the spouse is always the prime suspect. Okay. We're like, not serial killers. Uh, for anyone who is still listening, we have to obligatorily acknowledge that Larry King passed away. I didn't know he died. When did died. that happen? Today? Today from COVID. Oh, my mom almost killed him with a car like 10 years ago. So, okay. Okay, so this fun, real quick story. We're driving on Rodeo Drive so she can show me what what fancy rich people look like when we're in uh-huh. there. And she goes, oh, that's Larry Kane. Starts to drift her wheel accidentally towards that. Did not hit Larry King. Did not go off the road. Okay. But to this day, she says she almost killed Larry King, which I know I'm really okay. sad. Uh, and you go watch that episode of Gravity Falls where he's a wax figure and will live forever. Yeah, um, unfortunately, he passed away uh take the virus seriously stay inside take care of yourselves take care of your loved ones and if you Uh, think you may have come into contact with somebody stay the fuck home go get a test yeah Um, it's really not that complicated yeah it's it's i'm gonna tell you right now it's really really hard when you're in a blended family yeah (laughs) anyway we love Uh, you all listening my computer's dying have a great day (laughs) Bye. Bye.